That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. And we're back in live. I'm Jimmy Krupka. This is Ski Racing This Week. Hello, it's me again. So earlier today, I watched a few videos of late night hosts doing their shows from home, and I really feel for them. Like, Colbert is sitting in this weird corner of his house, and he's telling his jokes like he normally does, but there's no laughter or applause, because obviously his audience isn't there. And the worst part is, he still pauses for laughter. But instead, it's just dead silence like that, with him alone in his room. Um, so, you know... I know how that feels because I do it every week and uh, maybe I need a little um, audience to listen, get some laughs in there. I'll just put some artificial laughs in there. On the same stream of thought, I cannot wait to do an in-person interview again. At this point, I'm honestly thinking about driving over to Michaela's house and throwing her a mic and just being like, let's do the interview 10 feet apart. Just kidding. Unless, no, maybe, no, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I've got a great show for you today. Ilka Stuhetz, who you will remember was one of the names I learned how to pronounce a few episodes ago, is the defending back-to-back downhill world champion. She converses with me about, as NPR says, all things. Then, Michael Bingaman, also known as Bing, calls in to tell us what sort of workouts we should be doing during this time and to tell an all-time story about his first ski camp. Lastly, we give Christopher Hendrickson a call. A long overdue call to check in. But first, let's read the mail. It was another good week for mail. I've got a few notes I'd like to read from some faithful listeners. So the first note I got was from a Charlie who says, Here in Minnesota, quote, Luton Resort, the home of ski teamer Cindy Nelson, was started by a 10th Mountain veteran, Cindy's father George. Pine Bend, a now defunct skier near Hastings, Minnesota, was started by Oscar Sear, another 10th Mountain vet. There are probably many more examples of this phenomenon. Actually, I know there are. That's me talking. Back to the quote. This was the untold story that really needs to be revealed. And uh, he's right. This is a really cool story that Chris, Anthony, and I didn't get to. But the 10th Mountain Division, after fighting, came back to the U.S. And maybe Cindy Nelson needs to get on the podcast to uh, help me tell that story. Anyway. Secondly, I got a message from uh, Hyla. I think I said that right. Who says she enjoys listening. And suggested a couple topics, and one that stuck out to me was the current debate over limiting fist starts in the U.S. So, I'm glad this was mentioned, because I'm now going to give you all a 60-second recap on the whole issue, because I think it's needed. If you want to learn more, you can go to SkiRacing.com. There's a whole article about it. Anyway, basically, there's a committee of eight coaches and longtime ski racing figures called, quote-unquote, the Health of Sport Task Force. So this is a U.S. ski and snowboard thing. It was created to help keep the cost of ski racing down in the U.S., keep the kids in the sport, and improve development. So two of the provisions weren't as much of a problem. They they were trying to keep um, kids racing head-to-head. That's not parallel racing. That's just people, kids at the same races, and specifically creating different levels of race series for U16 and older that are based more on ability rather than age. So the real snag was in the second two provisions. And also the reason that the vote um, didn't pass. 
and it was that the third provision would have stopped first-year fisk years from getting points in the summer before the normal Northern Hemisphere season started. And the fourth provision would have limited slalom and GS starts to 25 for an athlete on their first fifth season, then 30, then 35 for the next two seasons. So you can look at this rationally from both sides. More starts means the kids with the money to race 40 times a year, starting in August in Chile and ending in April in Sweden, they have an upper hand. But on the other side of it, the U.S. is trying to produce the best ski racers it can. And if you race more as a younger fist athlete, you have more opportunities to improve and score points. So there were two letters um, to the editor on SkiRacing.com about this article, one for the provision, one against it. The latter is written by uh, Chad Fleischer, very passionately, I may um, add. So check it out there if, if you want to know more. But that's the gist, and hopefully I informed you a bit. Lastly, well, second to last, actually, I got a note from a Victoria who is from Vermont, shout out to the 802, uh, but has lived in Telluride for many years and is a fan of the East vs. West talk, which brings me into my last message, which I got from an Isaiah, who reminded me that I didn't get a straight answer from Connor Hogan, or actually a couple guests now that I come to think of it, and I haven't kept up with the East vs. West count. So, here goes. So, calculated now excluding our European guests and excluding um, Bing in this episode and uh, Sarah Miller, the PT from two episodes ago, we have East at four, West at five, Wisconsin at one, and Devil's Glen, Ontario at one. So if we lump Devil's Glen and Wisconsin together for the Midwest, they'll get two. And I think we maybe we sh should start... Uh, tallying up the midwest but at some point we're gonna have to split it i think oh that's terrible spirit this country's so divided anyway maybe we go for three choices well as always i love your mail i've had a couple of great conversations over email or dms so continue to send me notes now for this week i want you to send me um questions for slalom tokyo drift that's right ian macklemer is going to be on the show in the next week or two i'm very excited and uh, what should I ask him? Let me know. Ski racing this week at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at Jimmy underscore who underscore. The information is always in the description. Now, let's get these skis in the snow. Without further ado, Ilkish Tuhets. A very warm welcome. To Ilka Stuets, she is a speedy Slovenian speed skier with several World Cup wins to her name, a downhill globe, and reigning back-to-back -back downhill world champion. Ilka, it is great to have you. Hi, hello everyone. Um, Thanks for, for invitation. <laughs> of course. Thanks for being on the show. Um, I'm a little nervous. I don't talk to a lot of girls, so... <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, don't be. I don't bite, so... Well, You're far away. No at worries. least not through the phone. You're halfway across the world. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So first, I want to make sure I'm saying your name correctly. It's Ilka Stuhets? Almost. Almost. Um, family name is Stuhets. Stuhets. Which I already learned. It's uh, really hard for most of the world to pronounce. Yeah. So, yeah, just like, I mean, if you say Ilka, I think most. Uh, most of the people in the world will know that we're talking about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
you are uh, kind of a big deal, um, but we will talk about that in a bit. I want to um, okay. just check in on what is the coronavirus situation like in Slovenia? Are you there right now? Uh, yes, I am at home, as I'm supposed to be, actually. Yeah. For, um, I think, the sixth week of uh, lockdown is coming to an end. So it's been quite some time. Yeah. Um, since, uh, yeah, we are staying at home with families, uh, just seeing friends online and stuff like that. It's, um, my mom was used to it, I have to say, but uh, I kind of miss skiing because, um, I know we missed quite quite great uh, conditions, um, and you know, like spring training is supposed to be a lot of repetitions, uh, a lot of skiing days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we didn't get that, which is um, kind of I don't know bad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think more or less everyone is in, in the same position. Um, but at the moment, I have to say things are moving forward. We are. Um, getting a few, oh, how would I say that, um, some things are getting like a bit loosened up. They're starting you know, to loosen up, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the situation is it's calming down, there's uh, less and less uh, people that are uh, sick uh, with coronavirus, so yeah, hopefully soon we will get a chance to go somewhere and ski, because in the meantime, uh, that we have been at home now, um, Almost all of the snow in Slovenia is gone, so we would have to go to Austria or somewhere else uh-huh. to get ski training, which is also quite a challenging. Um, uh, it's a challenging moment. How how would we how would we get all the approvals to go over border and train there? But we will see how it goes uh, over next week or two. Yeah, it, and it it seems like nobody in Europe is is skiing right now. Is that right? Um, almost. <laughs> well, as much as I follow uh, Swedish uh, girls on Instagram, uh-huh. they um, had a bit different politics in their country. So I think they have been skiing a lot in uh, in Ore and up north. So oh, really? yeah, I think they have some advantage now to everyone else in the world. <laughs> so if the, if the Swedish uh, skiers do well this season, we know why. Maybe. Well, kind of. Kind maybe. Of. But on the other hand, I think everyone else is um, doing physical training. So eventually they will have to do it too. And everyone else is in advantage there. Yeah, true. So, so, so you've just been... at the end, we will all start like, from the same point. So you've just been home getting strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah. <laughs> first, so... I, uh, first I recovered a little bit and then I started with uh, physical training. Gotcha. So I hear you're a dancer. You've loved to dance since you were young. Um, <laughs> so my yeah. question is, um, why haven't we seen an Instagram video? Um, because I'm uh, too busy. Okay. Spending <laughs> time with my nieces and my dog and training. Okay. Um, well, you haven't seen Instagram video, but uh, two years ago, I was a guest in uh, Dancing with the Stars. Really? So I think that yeah, I think that video should probably exist somewhere. I would I would love to find that video. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, you 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 search for that and you'll see. Yeah, because (laughs) you'll see you will see why I don't have to post Instagram videos with my dancing because I'm so awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, well, um, it seems like you're more of a you're a pro. Um, Michaela Schifrin's out here posting a lot, um, but I I think uh, mm-hmm. she's never been on Dancing with the Stars. So you may have a, a leg up on her there. Um, Could be. I don't know. <laughs> so I um, am a pretty good Googler, as you found out. And one thing yeah. I found was that in 2007, when you were 16, you won the World Juniors Slalom. Did you think you were going to be a slalom skier at that yeah. point? Um, no, not really, no. I was <laughs> okay. expecting more um, in every other race, actually. Slalom was the, the last one uh-huh. that we had. And I was just like, my mind was already, you know, I mean, not somewhere else, but I was like, okay, I've, I've had my chance, like, the pressure, everything is gone. I did what I could, so I can just ski and not think too much. You know, and then yeah. that, that's where, um, let's say, awesome weird things happen. And, yeah. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I would call my slalom junior world champs um, in that category. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's funny how that happens because at World Juniors this year, for me, the same thing. I got to the last day and I wasn't expecting much of the slalom. And, uh, you know, I ended up in, on the award stand and I was so surprised. Um, so then the next year you won the world juniors downhill and, and that kind of, and then you were just kind of downhill from that point on. And how did you decide to do downhill? Were you always better at it or is it, did you just like it more? Well, it was not a decision actually, I would say, even Mm. though, okay, it's pretty obvious I'm a speed skier, (laughs) Yeah. but, um, I would still like, like to be, let's say, cold maybe all-rounder uh but i know with all the i mean especially now with all the situation when we can't ski which means we can't train and i really i'm missing a lot of training because i was injured um since last spring yeah again over the summer so i could start skiing in september which was like really late and um yeah i mean because of all the injuries i had i missed quite some seasons already and it's kind of hard to compete with um, with athletes that only do, let's say, only DS or only slalom because they have so much repetition. Yeah. I maybe have like one tenth of what they do of of pretty um, special training, let's say, some slalom gates or this yeah. or that. Yeah. Um, which makes it kind of um, pretty tough <laughs> yeah. to compete with them. But um, like we said before. When you're really, um, like, you don't think much, you're just having fun and skiing, awesome things can happen. And this is actually also what happened in the 2016-17 season when I started winning. Yeah. Um, I started one slalom in World Cup that was at home in Maribor, and mm-hmm. I finished 10th. So wow. <laughs> wow. And then, yeah, the best. <laughs> Yes, yes, so was all, I think it was like 14th place that season too. Um, so yeah, I mean, even with the lack of training, you can achieve some good results, but maybe not great. Yeah. So let's talk about that 2016-2017 season because between 2012 <laughs> and 2016, you hovered around 25th in the downhill rankings, and then. And, and your yep. best finish was like fifth place, I think. And then in 2017, or the 16-17 season, you won four downhills, mm-hmm. the world championship title, and the downhill globe. 
and you were second in the Super G rankings. Yeah. Um, did you change anything in the way you prepared that season, or did it just kind of happen? No, we didn't do any major changes. Mm-hmm. It was actually the second season that I had that I had my own team because okay. uh, they made it quite a, quite obvious on Federation that uh, they will not um, have any women speed team. So I was oh. forced to make so you my did own your team own thing. if I wanted to continue do- doing speed. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was fifteen sixteen season um, was the first one. That uh, that I did it, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like it took a while that we really figured out how to you know work with one another. After all, it's just it's one athlete and all the stuff, and then it really and the chemistry is great. That everything is just you know as it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and then we kind of just like I don't know. We we were we had great training days. We had awesome conditions all spring or summer long, and uh, I was just. I was just having fun. It's actually, it's it's so easy, but at the same point, like, so challenging. Yeah. That you, like, don't, don't think much, don't, you know, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself. We say that you, like, take the backpack. And um, after the 15-16 season, I also uh, switched skis. I went to Stöckli. Mm-hmm. And they were really, really supportive. And, uh, yeah. I mean, then it just started with one win in the crease and then the other one. And then suddenly, like, whatever <laughs> I did, everything was running perfectly. Yeah, it just seemed even everything. Even if it was Fallen GS or whatever I was doing, <laughs> everything yeah. was just working out so well. And it must, have been, it must have been fun to just suddenly be skiing super fast. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, not the whole different world that opened, but you know, suddenly you have so much things to do after the race. You have press conference, you have uh, doping control, then later on you have press hearing ceremony and deep mm. draw, and suddenly you have to like rearrange your day how everything is going to be. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, first win is awesome for sure. But then the second one, like on the second day, um, for me it was. I mean, not bigger, but it's also a, a great deal yeah. to put everything what happened aside. Actually, okay, yeah, yeah. I just won my first World Cup with very high bid. It's amazing. So many stuff is going on. But on the other hand, it's the next day you have the next race. Yeah. And you have to get ready. So no matter what happened, if you won or if you were bad, like, this isn't more or less. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to get over it really, really quickly. Definitely. I mean, you have to figure out the way what suits the best for you, because the next day it is the next next phase, and everyone yeah. starts from zero. So no matter what happened before, there's another chance. Yeah, exactly. The the previous day doesn't matter, no matter how good you mm-hmm. did or bad you did. Um, you know, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm curious, did you come from a ski racing family? Did your parents ski race or did, were they coaches? Um, yeah, my mom was a racer, but she got injured pretty fast. And then most of her life, she was a ski coach uh-huh. in the, uh, like teaching kids in the local ski club. Uh, my dad was also like skiing enthusiast. He still loves to ski, even though he can barely walk sometimes, <laughs> uh, because he had, he had some knee problems as well. Um, so yeah, it was kind of like in the family, um, 
so yeah I first maybe you know me and my sister we were maybe skiing because we went on a family vacation uh-huh. and then you maybe wanna you know like your parents like it so you like it but then then you start to love it by yourself and this becomes your life your yeah. adult and then it's just it's your, it's a passion all of your own and yeah, and sure. so it must have been hard I can imagine when you got injured before the 2018 season because you were coming off this amazing season, the downhill globe, and you're going into the Olympics and you get injured and you can't race and you've got this small nation that you would have been representing. Um, that must have been hard. How did you deal with that? Well, um, that was not the first time that I was injured, so that okay. part was not that bad because I know I have the best possible support I can get. Um, from the doctor to do the surgery in Switzerland and then all the rehab and everything here at home in Maribor. Um, but yeah, first it was a huge shock, of course, because mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that anything can happen to anyone in skiing at any second. Yeah. No one is immune to injuries. I mean, it's the nature of sport, sadly. Um, at first I really didn't like believe it or I didn't know why but I learned already that like questioning why it's not gonna make me any better you mm-hmm. know because you do, you do learn something like from everything or from injuries or from I don't know doing really bad at a race mm-hmm. or winning a race or whatever and then I realized that it was actually it was really a painful lesson but it had to happen exactly that way. Yeah. Because after this crazy season that we talked about, I never really, um, let's say, maybe get over it, you know? Because during the winter, you don't have time for yeah. celebrations, for really realizing what you achieved. You just go, you know, you move to the next day, and then you move to the next day, and then you move to the next week races, and you keep traveling, and, you know, whatever you did, uh, I mean, whatever you achieve, it just goes by so fast. And then, you know, like, coming home, a lot of more media going on, um, sponsorship deals, what you have to do for them, and this mm-hmm. and that, and everyone wants something from you. It's really exhausting, actually. I yeah. did take some, some vacation to think it over, to really say, okay, um, season is over, we're starting a new one, mm-hmm. but... I mean, later on, not at the moment when I got injured, let's say a few months later, I realized, okay, this was really the the wall I had to hit to say, okay, that was it. You're moving on now. Mm-hmm. Nothing what you achieved is going to matter next year, actually, because you will also start with zero points. Um, nothing is like, you yeah. know, when you stand to start, your time is always zero, zero. You don't start exactly. with minus two or whatever because... You want to go play here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, really um, painful lesson. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, sadly, it, it happened that way. And, yeah, I tried to learn something out of it. Uh-huh. And then you came back and won the, the uh, World Championship gold in 2019. <laughs> so that was a cool comeback. Yeah. yeah. It um, was actually a didn't really see that one coming. <laughs> I mean, I was expecting a lot um, from myself after, I mean, the next season, uh-huh. um, in 18-19, that is. So going into the first races, 
I wasn't racing for more than one and a half year. I think it was 22 months or something like that. Because wow. I got uh, injured in in October. And then, you know, I, my first race was December next year. Mm-hmm. So I finished that one, downhill in uh, Lake Louise again. I finished sixth, which is actually amazing. Yeah. But I wanted to win, of course. Because yeah. <laughs> this is of where course. I left, right? So do you... And I was, I was a... I was a bit down, you know, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I was totally going for the win. Yeah. But of course, everyone was training at the, in the meantime. No one was, you know, just like waiting. Oh, yeah, he's cut back. No, we <laughs> let her win. Yeah. It, it doesn't go that way. Of course. <laughs> yeah, cool, of course. Actually. So um, do your knees hurt when well, you walk around these days? Is Or is it no, fine? No, more or less it's fine. I mean, um, the right one was pretty damaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, like five times, so I do feel some consequences, but it's it's not like that bad. I can do everything, so that's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Well, that's good. That's um, that's good. So so hopefully you have some years ahead of you, some good years. Yeah, ahead I of hope you. so. <laughs> I think I'm I'm not the youngest anymore, but I'm not that old. So no, because you I'll, you're I'll go on for a few years. you're thirty now. Is that how old are you? Now? Not yet. Not yet. You're not that good at, at Googling. Okay. Okay. So go. I guess I got to work on my, my Googling <laughs> skills. Yeah. <laughs> you, you missed that. I missed it. Well, you can't win them all. I found the video <laughs> of you winning uh, the World Championships in Ore in 2019, and I want to play it because um, I think it is the Slovenian commentary, and I want you to tell me um, if it is and, and what they're saying. Okay, let's hear it. So, what was that Slovenian? <laughs> yeah, so you did Google the translation? I, 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 as as you can see, I'm not uh, a pro yet. I guess. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it is. This is from the um, Slovenian. I mean, from the commentators on Slovenian TV. Uh huh. Um, actually, I was I was maybe not like the favorite to go in the World Champs race. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like struggling a bit, and then it kind of it came together in Valgardena, uh, where I won downhill and super G race. But then uh, also a few next races, I was I was doing good, but not great. Um, mm. But the, the downhill in Ore, I felt like in the morning, not I almost like decided, okay, I can do this again. And um, I had this I don't know how other how to say it, but I think it was like the weird feeling that I I knew that. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a weird. Wow. Feeling. It was a weird feeling. I was like, okay, so either I win or this ends really bad. Huh. So luckily, it went the first way. Um, <laughs> yeah. And kind of like I was really um, relaxed, really trusting myself, and of course I had high expectations. Um, but I just I I tried not to think of anything and just ski. Just ski. Because yeah, okay, obviously the course was way shorter mm-hmm. but I think um, 
going from the top wouldn't really be a great solution because it was so windy. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah was it was so like bad. a short course that um, didn't allow any mistake. Like mm. you had to do like perfect. Yeah, and you really um, did do it perfect because you came down in that in that clip. You came down like five tenths of a second ahead of Lindsay, who ended yeah, up with the bronze medal. Yeah, which is a yeah, lot on a, a short lot. course. Yeah. Yeah. But well, like we saw, it's it's always like this. It's not over until it's over. Yeah. So uh, later, when Corinne was skiing, I um, excuse me for the language, but I really shit my pants a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, I did, I did my part of the jump. What everyone else does is, it's not on me. I can only like wish the best for everyone because um, I mean, even even the racers starting with fifty, with sixty, whatever the highest bib is, mm-hmm. everyone is trying hard. Exactly. I mean, you know it yourself. No one is there to like have fun and come ski for a weekend a little bit. You know, <laughs> um, no, every- everyone is working hard. So yeah. you do your best and. And you just and you just see what happens, and and you happen to win. Yeah, I'm curious what what did the commentator say? Is there anything that stuck out to you? Um, or were they no, just generally it's, being it's, excited? It's, it's generally yeah, like being excited that I did a really great run. That it's a huge uh, advantage that I have um, to to Lindsay. She was second at that moment, uh-huh. and uh, it's probably going to be really hard to to beat me. Okay. On that day. I love well, that. Well, at the end of the day, no one did. <laughs> <laughs> so I have um, a couple fun questions before we wrap this up. Um, okay. So uh, okay. I have a, a, a chairlift scenario. So if there, if you're about to get on the chairlift and there's one person in line ahead of you, just one, do you go up the chairlift with them? A random person. Um, well, if it's like one person charity, then probably no. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> if there is like more seats available, then probably yeah. If I'm not waiting for someone, like maybe my coach to come down, then mm-hmm. we take the charity together to talk about the run. Or my technician, then yeah, I would probably take a ride with someone. Do you enjoy having uh, conversations with ran- with random people on the lifts or... Um, when you're training, it's just totally focused. Um, it's not always the same, actually. Sometimes it it feels good. Uh-huh. Usually, when you're skiing well and everything is running smooth and stuff. But then sometimes, when you're maybe struggling a bit with I don't know some with equipment or with your skiing or something hurts, then it's more of like, okay, I'll talk to you because I'm trying to be friendly. But, um, yeah, then I'm more, like, focused on what I'm actually there for. Gotcha. Which is, like, king. <laughs> yeah, so it does, it does change. And amongst the, um, the women on the World Cup, who would you say it is the consensus on the best-looking man on the, on the men's World Cup circuit? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> there are some. Yeah. Uh, let's put it that way. But it doesn't always come to the looks, I have to say that. Interesting. Um, it's also the personality sometimes. Okay. So the mixture of both, it's, yeah, there are a few potentials. And and does uh, does the skiing ability come into it at all? 
Um, not really, no. Mm-hmm. It, and it, I mean, it helps, but yeah. it's not, like, very obvious, maybe. <laughs> do, do you ever get to, um, I'm trying to think, I guess world championships would be the one time where the men and women are together in the same place. Does do people? Mm-hmm. Does everyone hang out? Do do you do you all have fun together? Uh, and the finals. And finals. This is like yeah. our big competitions. There also Olympics and the finals. Um, not too much, actually. I would say because huh. the program program that we have is quite intense. Yeah. Like you have training, race, training, training, race, race, rest, race. Training, training, great. <laughs> and you guys are uh, so all has, you're all locked into your programs trying to win, I guess. So there's not much not much yeah, fun to be had. Less, yes. Yeah. I mean if we let's say um for instance in, in order, um when we were going to another house or hotel for lunch, I mean for the food, then we would maybe go together or yeah, if we met there, sit at the same table and talk a bit. Mm-hmm. But maybe like to really hang out it's no time for that. Yeah, all business, especially when you're winning World Cups. It's, it's uh it's an easy trade off, yeah, I think. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my last question is, um, wh- who are you out? Who is Ilka outside of a ski racer, and and what do you see yourself doing after ski racing, or do you think you'll coach and and give back to the sport? <laughs> You're no right. Race, I have time. Nothing gets um, by you. So, out of the ski racing, I'm just like, I'm a normal person too, mm-hmm. like everyone else is probably. Um, I like hanging out with friends. I like um, to go drink some coffee, to go shopping sometimes, um, spend time with my nieces, with my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, skiing and all the results and everything we do doesn't make us you know, like superhuman or something like that. We are still normal people. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I still, when I go walk my dog, I still pick up poop after her. It's not <laughs> that, you know, I would just leave it because I need to it. Yeah. You know, I can't do that. No, that's <laughs> totally not it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, which is, I mean, it's working out pretty well, I would say. Um, whatever I achieved so far, it's just, uh, yeah, it's great for statistics and everything. But, like I said, at the end of the day, I'm still me. You know, my mm-hmm. um, my nieces, they're like five and a half and two and a half. They don't really care about it, honestly. You know, they just love me because I'm because we're related. And my friends are my friends because we, we knew each other since forever. And, you know, that didn't change, even though, like, people would, Sometimes when you meet someone, they would ask for autograph or a photo or whatever. Uh-huh. And then every time I'm just like, okay, that is uh, yeah. so weird. <laughs> yeah. Still, I mean, I'm just myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um, after skiing, I mean, after um, when I finished my professional skier career, um, well, exactly how that goes, we'll see when it happens. But, um, Kind of like coaching, I think that that's not really um, what I would love to do. Okay. But still, I would like to stay connected to the sport more like in the background, you know, like 
managing stuff, organizing some things for the athletes or whatever, because um, I got that help like pretty early in my career, and I yeah. know how much uh, it helped me just yeah. to focus on skiing, and someone else was taking care of a lot of other things that I didn't have to think about, which was really, really helpful, I think, so, yeah, this is something I would like to do. Yeah. Well, it is a really tough question to to know what you want to do after skiing because I'm, you know, I I have no clue what I want to do after skiing because it 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 really is my life right now and I and obviously yeah um, it is yours yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to know yet. But exactly. You will. I would say you will learn or you will see what you like besides skiing. Yeah. Well, Ilka, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I thought it was a wonderful conversation. No Your you. English is awesome. It's really good. Yeah, well, thank you. Not many people speak Slovenian, so that wouldn't really help in international world. <laughs> How do I say uh, thank you and goodbye in Slovenian? Uh, hvala. Hvala. Thank you. Hvala, yes. Okay. And nasvidenje uh, is goodbye. Say that again? <laughs> Nasvidenje. Nasvidenje. Almost. Almost, okay. Almost. Well, hvala <laughs> and nasvidenje. <laughs> Thanks. Stay safe. Bye. Well, I have to say, I think this podcast is getting faster and faster because that was pretty sweet to talk to Ilka Stuhetz. And I think I almost nailed the pronunciation, which I'm pretty excited about because we did... Um, we studied for this. We uh, we really did a couple episodes ago. Go check it out if uh, you want to learn more about pronouncing Eastern European names. I forgot to ask Ilka if she had any plugs. Uh, so I, I DM'd her. Yep, yeah, so I'm, I'm DMing with Ilka Stuhetz. NBD. I DM'd <laughs> Ilka Stuhetz, and uh, she said, yes, there is something she wants to plug. It is her Downhilka. Uh, not down, Downhilka. A challenge. It's a 12-hour downhill race in Marabor, Slovenia. The most laps in 12 hours um, wins, and uh, all the proceeds go to the Underprivileged Athletes Foundation, which operates under the auspices of the Olympic Committee of Slovenia. So I don't know how many of you are going to be in Slovenia uh, next March, which is when it's going to happen. It was scheduled for this March, but next March. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Uh, tell people about it. All right, you know the drill. Before our interview with Bing and our call with Christopher Henriksen, I've got a few words from our sponsors. So the first up is Sync Performance, and you can go to syncperformance.com, that's S-Y-N-C, performance.com, and use the code SRPODCAST20 for 20% off. That's SRPODCAST20. And uh, as you know, Sync Performance is designed for ski racers, by ski racers, tested by ski racers. And so it's high-quality stuff. Also, we have a sponsor in World Pro Ski Tour. So you can go to worldproskitour.com to get your ski racing fix in uh, what many people say is the most exciting format in ski racing, perhaps the future, parallel slalom. So that's worldproskitour.com. Get excited for next season. Oof. Can't believe we're talking about next season already. There's still snow out there. Anyway, we've got Mike Bingaman. I'm going to introduce him when I introduce him. Coming up. So without further ado, Michael Bingaman. 
me get the microphone set. Okay, say something, Bing. Something, Bing. Jimmy Krupka. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Michael Bingaman is the athletic development coordinator for the U.S. Alpine Ski Team, and he joins me from his own quarantine. A very warm welcome, and thanks for calling in, Bing. Jimmy, thank you very much for having me. Love chatting with you. You are so basically you are in charge of uh, getting the world, all the athletes strong. So you write programs for me and the and the B and C team, but you also write programs for the World Cup guys, right? Yes. Okay. And so, listeners, that's that's just me uh, qualifying him. So his opinion matters. <laughs> okay, Bing. So at this time of year. What are you giving the your athletes? What sorts of programs, what sorts of stuff are you focusing on in their training? Jimmy, here is the nice thing, is that we are so far out from the season right now. We don't need to be doing anything crazy specific. Honestly, during this window of time, I would call this our general prep phase or a GPP um, time of the year. The goal is to get a lot of fitness accumulate fitness essentially you can think about it as just doing a lot of different movements big ranges of motion getting your heart rate up and keeping your heart rate up and essentially what we're looking to do is prepare your body for more intense work that we're going to do later on in the summer so honestly it's nice because this can incorporate anything this could be biking and hiking and playing soccer it could be skinning. It could be bodyweight workouts. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is super heavy. So we're not doing really heavy lifts right now, but we are doing more volume intensive workouts that are relatively low intensity or moderate intensity. And essentially that's preparing your muscles and your ligaments and tendons for heavier loading phases that are coming in later on. Gotcha. So we're doing a lot of total body work and Nothing is super specific yet, which means we get to mix things up a lot, keep it fun, and keep it interesting. Nice. Well, that's that's crucial, especially when you've come off a long, intense season. And I'm sure that you know a lot of my listeners are not World Cup skiers or aspiring to be, and are just recreational or just you know regular ski racers or young. So it seems like the same sort of principle can apply to them when they're preparing for next season. Um, and so they, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but they can be doing the same thing, biking, hiking, skinning, uh, body weight workouts. Obviously, they're restricted by, by quarantine, but. Right. But the same principles still apply. And, you know, I, a lot of parents and a lot of athletes will kind of get confused with this idea that we need to be doing things that look like or feel like or mimic ski racing mm. now. And that's not really the case because we are so far from the season. So really you want to be training from general to specific, both over the course of a year and and over the course of an athlete's entire career. And right now, this time of year, we're in a general phase Mm -hmm. and we're building a base essentially that that will prepare us for the specificity to come. And so it's kind of nice because – That opens up a lot of different things to us. We don't have to be doing leg circuits for two minutes, and we don't have to be 
rollerblading or finding an exact way to mimic ski racing, mm-hmm. which you can do those things. They're not going to do any harm, but we don't have to be doing those things. You're we just trying expand. to get you're just trying to get fit to be able yeah. to start doing those specific things. Expand your horizons. Nice. Learn. I mean, honestly, what we tell the younger, like young athletes right now, is to be learning a new sport right now. Like, have you played lacrosse? Have you played basketball? Have you played soccer? Have you learned yeah. how to throw a frisbee? Like, that's what we encourage the young young athletes to be doing right now. That's huge. Expanding. That's huge because I think um, that's a mental skill that needs to constantly be working as, as much as your physical. Um, you need to keep working physically. I think mentally the um, act of learning a new skill is the same as ski racing. So I think that's huge too. Absolutely. And there is a skill of learning, like yeah. learning how to learn well, learning how to be frustrated <laughs> yeah. and to work through something, like learning how uh, to understand that, that <laughs> I'm overusing learning, but learning how to understand that learning is a long-term process. Yeah, You're not going to perfect a movement or a skill in one day and it's good to have that perspective that it's going to take a long time, both in ski racing and any skill in life. It will take a long time to develop that, and it teaches you to kind of enjoy that journey of learning. Yeah, definitely. And I'm right now, I am learning. I'm trying to teach myself from some freestyle. So I'm, I have a little rail set up in my backyard, and I've been trying to, uh, you know, throw a throw a 540 and and <laughs> off the jump and 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 uh whatever it is a uh a, a 270 off the rail anyway so no but hold on before you go away from that i just want to say how important that is because you are learning air awareness and your body's understanding what it's like to rotate and stop itself and catch itself mm-hmm. and that's actually hugely hugely important not just in ski racing but in any sport in field sports like there are times when you're going to jump in a, a lot of field sports or like basketball, even you're going to jump and you'll be bumped in the air and your body has to rotate and recenter itself and then land safely. And yeah. that is a skill that carries across a multitude of sports. Yeah. So well done. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not like cats. We can't just always land on our feet. I uh, know. So wouldn't it be nice? It, it would, it would truly be nice. I've landed on my head a couple times, but it, in powder, so it's all it's been it's been good. I'm not actually risking myself that much. So, Bing, for the people stuck in quarantine, or or maybe they're coming out of it, but for the listeners who want to get started on next season, what what would their program look like? Program. So, I guess first thing that I will say is that you don't have to stress the specifics as much as you think you do. So if you're stressing over not having the right equipment or stressing over whether you should do eight reps or 12 reps, I would say don't worry about it, right? You don't need nearly as much equipment or nearly as much programming perfection as you might think, especially this time of year. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage them and you in that. So don't use that as an excuse to not work out. Right. No, that's what I was going to say. So second point is that Consistency is key, and it's not consistency in doing the same thing every single day. It's more the idea that you are doing something every day. Mm-hmm. So maybe a general goal would be like five days a week, be active in some capacity. And if I were to just throw out 
an example template. If you were active across five days, two of those days could be a strength workout, even if it's body weight only. Mm-hmm. So squatting and lunging, hinging, doing push-ups, doing inchworm push-ups, things that are different and creative. So I do that two days a week. And then maybe one of those days you do a core workout or a core slash upper body workout. Um, so something just to differentiate your days. And then I would do one one to two lower intensity things. So that could be skinning, that could be hiking, um, that could be road biking, running, anything like that that's relatively low intensity. And then one of those days I would do a higher intensity day. So again, don't stress the details. You can do 30 second pushes, 30 second rest. You can do a minute harder and five minutes rest. Just something to get your heart rate up and keep your body familiar with what it feels like to push intensity. Perfect. That'd be my general recommendation. I love it. And there, and you have done some more specific, you know, rep by rep workouts. Were those posted on what the U.S. Ski Team Instagram or something like that? Yeah, myself. I posted a couple things, and then a few of my colleagues posted on there as well. So the U.S. Ski Team, and I think the U.S. Free Ski Account and Snowboard Account all reposted those. Okay. In the last four weeks, probably a few different workouts have come up. So if you're struggling with some creativity or you want to mix it up a little bit, you can go check those out Yeah. from me, from Houston deck, from Chris Miller, uh, Dave Quammen put some really good mobility stuff up there. So you got some right. options up there if you need to mix it up. So the resources are out there. Um, true. so Bing, the, I just remembered this. The other reason I wanted you on is you have uh, a fantastic story about the first time. So, so you're from Texas and hadn't been around ski racing before uh, five years ago, right? Correct. Five years yes. ago. Yes. And I know where this is going. Yeah. Keep going. No, go ahead. <laughs> so we're in. It's your it's your first on snow camp. We're at Copper Mountain, where all of the national teams train. Um, and I think you know what this story is. So I want you to take it away. I want to say, actually, I just told someone this story yesterday. I've told this story a lot now because mm-hmm. it means a lot of different things to different people, but I'll kind of get to that at the end of the story. So I had just finished training the guys. We were in the public gym at Copper, relatively small, so I trained them in a couple of small groups, and they had all left, and I hung behind uh, just to get my own training in. And it's a small space, but nobody else is in there, so I have a place to myself listen to music, training, and then this beautiful girl walks in. And I was like, wow. But, you know, I have, I have mixed emotions because I don't want to be that creeper guy yeah. who's, like, trying to talk to a girl while she's working out. She's mm-hmm. like, just let me work out, you know. So I was like, I'm not going to say anything to her or let her train. But she was very pretty. And so I don't say anything to her. She has headphones in. I have headphones in. If you've been to the Copper Public Gym, you know there's one squat rack. And I uh, was doing pull-ups at that squat rack, and this girl wanted to squat in the squat rack. And so she asked if she could work in in between my pull-up sets. And I say, sure. And now it's kind of, it's like, it's going to be awkward if I don't say something to her because we've just interacted and we're Mm -hmm. the only two people in the gym. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well... I probably should talk to her now. So I introduced myself, and she had a head shirt on. And 
I'm new to the ski industry, but I did know that that was a boot and ski company. So I was like, all right, I got something. So I was like, hey, so are you a ski racer? And she's like, oh, yeah, I am. Are you? And I was like, no, I am definitely not. I'm from <laughs> Texas. I just got into this sport and kind of talked about my background. Are you she a ski me, racer? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the best I had. I was, like, very broad. I yeah. was fairly positive. The answer was a yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you want to start with something that started off on the right foot. You don't want her saying no to something like that. So that's where I started. And so we talked for the next 30 minutes. She's really cool. And as I'm leaving, she gives me her name, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll see you here in the in the gym next time we're working out. Yeah. So it was like, whatever, and I leave. Yeah. And I was like, that was really fun. Like, that was a cool person. So walking back to Copper Station, and one of my athletes, Nick Krause, is headed to the gym. And I was like, Nick, you going to the gym? And he's like, yeah. I was like, all right, you see this? shorter blonde haired girl that's my girlfriend you're not allowed to talk to her her name's laura and he was like laura goot and i was like i don't know i didn't get her last name he was like dude do you know who that is and i was like no who is it and he was like that is literally like the best female ski racer in the world right now yeah i was like oh she was coming off of her she had two globes that season. One of them was the overall globe. <laughs> yep. And I had asked her if she was a ski racer. But, Jimmy, I think that that is why she chatted with me for so long. Because yeah. I had no clue who she was. And yeah. I just treated her like a normal person. Because I was so ignorant. Yeah. And I felt so stupid <laughs> when, I mean, he brought up her name. And I, like, looked her up on social media. And I was like, oh, okay, this yeah. is an important person yeah. that I just totally made a fool of myself in front of. But, I mean, it was funny. Yeah. And so I kind of, I tell that story for a lot of different reasons, but it's a good reminder as a athletic development coach moving into a sport that it means one thing to learn a sport versus like learning the movements and the forces and mechanics. And it means a totally different thing to truly learn the sport, which means understanding who the key players are and knowing yeah. who's who. Yeah. And that was just a good little light slap in the face that, hey, Bing, you might think you understand the sport a little bit, but <laughs> you have a lot to learn. Well, I think it's at the end of the day, you'd rather um, you know, know the sport in terms of movements and be able to write a good program than know every single uh, ski racer in the sport, I guess. Certainly, yeah. And I'm not suggesting that it would be better to know the ski racers than mm-hmm. the movements, mm-hmm. but it was a reminder that I still have a lot to learn in terms of grasping everything that is ski racing. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, you know, two years later, Laura Goot was uh, happily married, and uh, I guess she still is. So, um, yeah. That's, I mean, she, I'm pretty sure she deleted her Instagram, so now who knows? She did. I can't yeah. really keep up with her anymore. You can't DM her anymore. No. No. Well, no. it's a shame. Which I did. I mean, since you mentioned that, <laughs> I did DM her, and I apologized. I was like, I am sorry. I am an idiot. Yeah. And she thought it was really funny, so it was no big deal, but it was entertaining. Lovely. It's funny now. Yeah, it is funny now. Anyway, Bang, 
Um, I appreciate you being on the call, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again. Absolutely. Thank you, Jimmy. As being said, you can check out U.S. Ski Team's Instagram, which is just at U.S. Ski Team, um, or check out his personal account. That's just me volunteering it, but Mike underscore Bing, B-I-N-G underscore. So now, the moment you've been waiting for, we're going to give Christopher Henriksen a call. If you remember, he is Henrik Christofferson's best friend and the closer we can get to him. So um, we're going to give him a call, see how he's doing, see if we can get Henrik on the show. Uh, Christopher, uh, hello, it's Jimmy. Uh, uh, what do you want, Jimmy? I just wanted to say uh, I'm sorry um, if I was mean to you or Henrik. Um, I just wanted to apologize. Yeah, well, uh, well, thank you for apologizing. And, uh, uh, you know, you were really mean to Henrik and, uh, and me too. So, uh, yeah, thank you for apologizing. Well, uh, to be fair, Christopher, I, uh, I asked a very innocent question of Lucas Broughton. And he gave me a very standard response. And, uh, you know, it seems like they get along fine. They just they just don't train together. That's a fact. Um, but I'd love to get... Yeah, yeah, yeah well, go ahead. Yeah, I listened to the interview, Jimmy. And uh, I don't listen to all your podcasts, but I listened to the interview and it was okay. But uh, it still wasn't too great to Henrik. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But, um, you know, I've been thinking, why don't we get Henrik on the show to talk about it all? Why don't we? Why don't we get him on the show? Let's do it. Well, Jimmy, I've been thinking about that too, and uh, maybe you're right. Maybe we need to get them on the show, but uh, it will be hard. And uh... I know, I know, it'll be hard, but can we make it happen? Let's make it happen. Come on, Christopher, let's do it. It'll be huge for the podcast. Well, Jimmy, I appreciate the call, and uh, and uh, maybe I can make something happen. You never know. So um, I'll start making some calls, and uh, yeah. Thanks, Christopher. I really appreciate it, and I uh, hope you stay healthy and happy. And uh, let's catch up soon. Thank you, Jimmy. Goodbye. Well, that sounds promising. Uh, maybe we'll get Henrik on the show. That would be awesome. Anybody who actually knows him, please DM me, email me, anything. I want to get him on the show. And I promise I will ask fair questions. Seriously, people get this idea that we're an anti-Christofferson podcast, but we really aren't. You know, he is a pretty good skier. We just get to the truth, and sometimes the truth people like Christopher Hendrickson don't like. Anyway, I mentioned that I had the phone numbers of two celebrities. I will not say the second, but one of them, uh, it's safe to say now because I don't think it's actually going to happen, is Patrick Dempsey. Bonafide number, confirmed, but he hasn't texted me back about the podcast. And uh, if you don't know him, he's Mick Dreamy or the guy from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, very good looking actor, if I do say so myself. And he is a huge ski racing fan. Went to Kitzbühel this year. Did a big speech at Kitzbühel. So it would have been awesome to have him on. Maybe we still will. I haven't given up yet. But big things coming. We've got Victor Mufajande, also known as Muffin Jeans, amongst the American community. He's on next week. And uh, hopefully a cool supplement segment to that show. The following week, um, who knows? Slalom Tokyo Drift. Patrick Dempsey. Donald Trump. Joe Biden. <laughs> all right, there's my cue to end. You all have a great week. I will see you next Thursday. I'm Jimmy Krupka. 
This is Ski Racing This Week, Ski Racing Media's official podcast. See you later.